They say markets work a certain way. They say if you want high returns, you have to accept higher risks. Cox Automotive says, you take the upside, we'll take the risk. Introducing Upside by Cox Automotive, the all-new way to wholesale that turns that old wisdom upside down. Visit TakeTheUpside.com to learn more. Welcome to Daily Drive. For Friday, November 11th, 2022, I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... Policymakers on both sides of the pond work toward EV tax credit changes. Volvo CEO makes a bold prediction about ICE and EV price parity, and Carvana's troubles deepen with more license suspensions. Plus, the FTC is targeting what it calls junk fee shock across several industries, including automotive. We'll hear about how it could affect dealership F&I offices. By creating a regulation, then it's a simple matter of you broke a regulation, here is your FTC fine. That kind of gives them that teeth back. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Three U.S. House lawmakers have joined a push to delay certain sourcing and manufacturing requirements in new EV tax credits. In September, Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock of Georgia introduced a bill known as the Affordable Electric Vehicles for America Act. It would create a longer phase-in for the tax credit's North American final assembly requirement, as well as its critical mineral and battery component provisions. U.S. Representatives Terry Sewell of Alabama, Emanuel Cleaver of Missouri, and Eric Swalwell of California introduced a companion bill this month. All three are Democrats who recently won re-elections in their states. The mounting effort in Congress comes as the U.S. Treasury Department prepares to issue proposed guidance by the end of the year that will further define how to meet the credit's eligibility restrictions. It also comes as certain automakers and U.S. allies are pressing the Biden administration for flexibility and equal treatment. One of those allies is very hopeful that negotiations with the U.S. will lead to changes in the way the EV tax credits are enforced. European Union Ambassador Stavros Lambernidis says EU officials were working with the U.S. in a special task force to address their concerns about the exclusion of foreign EVs from the tax credits. Lambernidis was speaking at an event hosted by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce on Thursday. He said that shutting off European producers would be a guarantee of failure for both economies since they're so intertwined. Volvo Cars CEO Jim Rowan sees EVs reaching price parity with their fossil fuel-burning counterparts a lot sooner than many others do. How soon? As little as two to three years from today. Furthermore, Rowan says, quote, there's no way that any company should be relying on government subsidy to be successful. The former Dyson CEO took the helm of Volvo at the beginning of this year. He made the bold claims amid high battery materials costs, the recent passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, and Volvo's sprint to go fully electric by the beginning of the next decade. But to get there, Rowan said, Volvo must get EV prices down and quickly. Rowan says there will be enough technology around 2025 to drive battery costs down and range up. And Pennsylvania regulators have suspended two Carvana locations in the state from performing motor vehicle titling and registration actions. The online used vehicle retailers locations in Philadelphia and Bridgeville near Pittsburgh have been placed on the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation's list of suspended issuing agents. That means the Carvana outlets are temporarily blocked from handling titles and registration matters. 
they can continue to sell vehicles, the regulatory agency says it cited Carvana for administrative contract violations. Carvana has been at the center of multiple regulatory actions by state and local licensing agencies, including those in Michigan and Illinois. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, once again, more Carvana license suspensions. Are these suspensions even severe since they're still able to operate? You know, that's a good question. You know, this one is not particularly severe. Like you said, they can still sell the vehicles. It's really only the two locations in all of Pennsylvania. But this is a company that's got, you know, enough struggles. They've lost about half a billion dollars each of the last three quarters. Used vehicle prices are falling fast, and it's been really hard to keep up as they are focused on used vehicles. So the last thing they need is more regulatory headaches with really key states. Gotcha. Uh, Coming up, we'll hear about the latest proposed FTC regulation that has automobile dealerships in the crosshairs. That's next on Daily Drive. Slate Money is a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the world of business and finance. Hosted by Felix Salmon, Elizabeth Spires, and me, Emily Peck. Confused by crypto? Can't keep up with the metaverse? Wondering why the price of just about everything keeps rising? The Slate Money podcast is here for you. Listen to Slate Money every Saturday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Some dealers say it's not worth taking a trade they won't retail. They say if it doesn't fit their brand, they'd rather pass. Cox Automotive says now you can easily see the profit in any trade and never risk losing that new customer. Introducing Upside by Cox Automotive, the only way to wholesale that turns that old wisdom upside down. Every vehicle you place in the Upside digital auction is backed by our guaranteed minimum price, so you never risk a loss. And when a vehicle sells for more than our guarantee, you keep the lion's share of the Upside. It's a -a one-of-a-kind auction that gives you an alternative to accepting wholesale losses, and it's built on the principles of the country's top-performing wholesale sellers, so your vehicles have the best possible chance to get bids and get bought. Dealers taking advantage of Upside's game-changing policies are already saying yes to more trades and making more money, all while never risking a loss. Sound too good to be true? Visit TakeTheUpside.com now to learn more. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Back in June, the Federal Trade Commission unveiled its auto retail plan that sought to combat bait-and-switch advertising. Last month, the FTC followed that up with some new proposed regulations, which one detractor called a, quote, horribly complicated and confusing draft. Senior Editor Dan Shine spoke with Automotive News finance and insurance reporter John Hutter about the FTC's latest proposal. John, thanks for joining us on the F&I Friday edition of Daily Drive. Great. Thanks. Glad to be here. So back in June, the FTC unveiled this auto retail plan uh, that they sought to combat bait and switch advertising with the requirement for dealerships to disclose a quote unquote offering price and out the door amount uh, before taxes or fees, uh, government taxes or fees that the retailer would honor for any consumer. Uh, Dealerships also would be banned from selling any accessories or finance and insurance products that do not provide coverage for the vehicle, the consumer or the transaction or are duplicative of warranty coverage for the vehicle, the FTC wrote. So this, uh, as you know, John, caused quite a stir in the uh, automotive uh, dealership world. Uh, But before the dust could settle, the FTC followed that up with uh, some new proposed rules and regulations uh, in October. So tell us a little bit about those. Well, yeah, the the ones in October are, they're more general. It kind of would affect everybody the FTC regulates, so dealers and other industries as well. Um, And they're 
the language isn't as defined. They just said they've got eight practices they're going to target with new rules related to what they call junk fees. They're trying to attack what they call junk fee shock. What they're getting at is you buy a product or you, you see a product online, let's say like a concert ticket or something like that. Um, and then you go to you know check out, you think that price is okay. And then all of a sudden there's a bunch of new fees that you weren't anticipating. So that that's kind of what they're going after in this case. They also, you know, there's also, you know, definitions there related to just regulating what they would call junk fees as well. And it's kind of like, I think they, the good marketing, now they call it a convenience fee, which is, it seems uh, right, inconvenient right. to the consumer, but uh, there we are. Right. Standard overcharge fee, my wife calls it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what, is, what does the FTC kind of define as a junk fee? Just kind of those add-on costs that were unknown to the consumer when they you know, first saw whether again, like whether it be a concert ticket or a Cadillac? Right. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, the, the FTC's definition of junk fee, what they're calling junk fee in the auto dealer rule that was proposed in June is a little bit different from, is much, you know, it's a lot more vague than what they're defining here. Here they're calling it unfair or deceptive fees that are charged for goods and services that have little or no added value to the consumer including goods and services that a consumer would reasonably assume to be included in the advertised price. That's what they mean here. Both, I guess, no, no benefit, whatever they define as no benefit. And then the something that you would expect you're already paying or would already be in the price that you saw first. Right. Now, back when we talk about the June FTC pros regulations, a lot of the criticism was from, especially from NADA and others is they already have the authority to, to combat a lot of what they're trying to fight in these proposed regulations. Is it the same in these October, the ones that they kind of proposed in October? Do they already kind of have the authority to kind of combat these? And if so, well, then why propose yet another regulation? Right. It's sort of a yes and no situation. They do have the authority to combat those. But what they run into is um, because of a Supreme Court decision in recent years, they can't just ask for like financial relief as, as part of an injunction on a business they find is violating FTC rules. They have to go through, you know, formal, they can get the injunction, but they can't, you know, just, they can't find it. They can't do other uh, charges and, you know, restitution for consumers without going through kind of a, a legal process. By creating a regulation, then it's a simple matter of you broke a regulation. Here is your FTC fine. That kind of gives them that teeth back, especially on the to have financial penalties or restitution. I want to back up this because this is not yeah. all about automotive, in that it no, it's across all industries. I mean, for our purposes, we're interested in it because it also in, uh, in includes or affects dealerships. So it's but it can be other. There are other industries that this isn't. The FTC isn't specifically targeting autom automotive or auto dealerships. It has a wide kind of swath, but. Uh, the net is, you know, catches uh, dealerships as well. Right. The, I mean, the, in their discussion of why they, why they're proposing this regulation, I mean, it mentions a variety of industries. It's not just automotive. No, we're not the only ones. Right. So this also, for our listeners out there, this, uh, if you're interested in this, this will be a article in the November 14th automotive news and our FNI uh, page. And in it, your story, you said the FCC listed eight practices that it kind of might target. Can you give us a few of, of, of the eight that they, uh, that they mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not, the language they gave isn't a formal like 
proposed regulatory text the way the auto one is. It's much more of these are the eight things we want to go after, but they haven't formally defined how they would go after them because it's a very early stage in the rulemaking. But anyway, all that said, among the eight things, there's um, misrepresenting or not clearly and conspicuously disclosing the total cost of any good or service in ads or marketing. Also, we're looking to ban charging for fees, interest, goods, services, or programs that have little or no added value. So that runs into, you know, if they don't think there's a benefit to the consumer, then there's an issue there. Or that consumers would reasonably assume to be included within the overall advertised price. And then uh, lastly, there's just, you know, there's other ones in terms of you can't charge without express and informed consent from the consumer. Um, I guess it's kind of a not trying to sneak it in you know, and not disclosing if something is optional or mandatory. The end game for the FTC trying to, at least maybe when it comes to automotive and, and dealerships, to have an out-the-door price. If I'm interested in this vehicle, I see it online for this price. That's the price I'm going to pay once I walk into the dealership and there's all these other things that they may want to you know, add on that consumers know this is what the car is going to cost and and there's no kind of hidden surprises uh, once I get to the F&I office or, you know, when I go to sign on the dotted line, all of a sudden the, the price is much larger than I thought. Is that kind of the, the end game, the goal for these kind of FTC rules? Yeah, that, that, I think, I mean, between the, the June uh, proposed regulations and this one, it's going to be hard. They definitely seem to be gunning for that kind of behavior, which makes it, you know, seem kind of difficult that dealers will be able to avoid that. So yeah, that would be my, my take on it. Another expert I proposed, or I kind of talked to about this, mentioned, thought that this new regulation was more aimed at banning certain products rather than trying to lock in a price like that. In either case, you have two regulations now that basically call for an out-the-door price. Yeah. And what else are you hearing? Can you mention that you talked to folks about this, some lawyers and some some folks in the auto industry. What's the uh, what's the take? I'm, I'm guessing that they're not too happy with yet another proposed, you know, more rules and more, you know, more paperwork. I did speak to um, the National Automobile Automobile Dealers Association. They were they were still reviewing it, so they didn't want to formally comment at that point. One of the attorneys, one of the compliance experts I talked to, mentioned that his take was that there's going to be a lot of industries. This isn't just you know it's not isolated to just the auto industry. So the opposition they're going to get from this you know could be pretty overwhelming and so in that case he was kind of he was kind of skeptical anything would come of it the way that something targeted at specifically at one industry like the auto dealer one or i think they've proposed something recently on funerals um <laughs> so there uh, you know the the way something like that would would have a more legs so to speak right. because there would be less opposition there's there's an army it's not just one industry it's a it's a variety right. of industries up in arms. Yeah, he, he was kind of like, I'm just going to worry about the June one. I'll let the other industries <laughs> fight the other one out. <laughs> so uh, finally, John, what are kind of the next steps? Where where do we go from here with this? What what does the FTC do next? Well, public comment has officially opened. The, the proposal has been entered into the public register, into the federal register. So comments are due by January 9th on this one. Um, it looks like I'm looking online, they at least they have at least 17 already. So the public, you know, trade groups, anybody, businesses can now share that. It's on, you know, regulations.gov. And so that, yeah, that, that'd be the next step. They have to collect public comments and then we'll see what they do after that. Great. So listeners out there, if you're interested in this and more F&I stuff, uh, pick up a, an issue of the 
November 14th Automotive News or go online. Uh, John, thanks for your time. Hey, thank you very much. John Hutter covers F&I for Automotive News. He spoke with our own Dan Shine. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on the FTC's proposed dealer rules, EV tax credits, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday for a conversation with Stefan Heck, founder and CEO of Nauto, about how his company's artificial intelligence cloud data platform can be used to crack down on drowsy driving. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 